Hello and welcome back, and thank you for turning into Policing Matters on PoliceOne.com. I'm your host, Jim Dudley. Well, today uh, I'm talking with a guest uh, who is both a military veteran and a uh, recently retired uh, law enforcement officer, and it's not so unusual in policing today, and there's an estimated 20% of veterans who uh, come from military duty and join law enforcement, which if we're looking at a, a per capita across the board, that's a, a high percentage of those who get into policing from from any other uh, walk of life. So first of all, I want to thank you for your service and welcome to you, Greg Johnson. No, thank you, Jim. Uh, I can't tell you how honored I am to be a part of this podcast. I've learned so much over the years of listening to uh, all of your guests, and I hope that I can add just a little bit of the uh, the experiences that, I, that I've been lucky enough to uh, learn from so many others. Yeah, well, well, it's great to have you on board, and I think um, it's it's good to hear from you from those perspectives because we do have a lot of veterans uh, in policing, and I think they know what you know that. There are similarities, there are strengths we can take from military training. There are some things that we do better in law enforcement. We can talk a little bit about cross-training and the experience I've had with military asking police uh, how to be better. So what's what's your background like? Well, I grew up uh, back east and in the southeast. I I played uh, Division I football and track at at a SEC school back in, in the South. And after that, I really took a job down in South America in Argentina, was down there for a while and then moved to Panama and then got a job working for FEMA in DC. And then really after that, uh, joined the Marine Corps. So uh, working with uh, and living down in South America, the only guys that I really knew were the uh, MSG, the Marine security guards down there. And Got to know those guys, and they really made an impact on me. Their uh, professionalism, their dedication to their country, and it just made me want to continue to serve my country. And so I joined up, uh, became an infantry guy after that, and really spent the next 15 years roughly of active duty going in between deploying units overseas and then coming back to a schoolhouse and teaching and then uh, left the Marine Corps and then still stayed in the reserves and uh, luckily was able to transition over to a, a larger sheriff's department here in Southern California. Well, that's great. Again, thanks for your service. And, and I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit about your on the surface. What are the what are the similarities between the military and, and law enforcement? There's actually a lot of similarities and a lot of differences between uh, the service and uh, the military service and law enforcement. You know, number one, um, it's a leadership and it's a it's a people person organization. Both of them are. So you're dealing with officers and deputies that uh, have a tough job to do and they and they need and they want leadership. Same thing in the military. You have a. A little bit younger crowd in the military, but um, the uh, the leadership is still the same. They're both still dealing with civilians. They're both uh, dealing with a lot of physical uh, problems that they're having to deal with, a lot of tactical problems. 
Uh, both of them have to do with a lot of legal issues as well. So some people don't believe that the military has to follow any kind of uh, laws when they're overseas, but they do. They have to follow the rule of uh, land warfare. They have to follow uh, the Geneva Convention laws. They have to follow the rules of engagement. And it is similar to a lot of the laws that are here in the United States. That's great. So in essence, both prepare you for the type of job you're doing at hand. They do prepare you, but there are differences. You know, in the in the in law enforcement, you're dealing with uh, longer careers. So most of the military, uh, most of the military guys are, you know, they get in at 18 years old and they may stay until they're 25 years old. Most of them, they don't have these long careers like a lot of law enforcement guys do. That may do uh, 20 or 30 years. You're, and so with that, you're dealing with some higher age groups in law enforcement where the military, uh, again, you're dealing with uh, some younger guys. And it's it's a young man's game. So, um, you know, doing a 20 mile hike when you're 20 years old and doing a 20 mile hike when you're 45 years old is a little bit different. Uh, also, in policing, you have to deal with unions where in the military you don't have to deal with unions. Um, that can make a difference. And then. Again, the career is just in law enforcement, it's five days a week, at least over 30 years. In the military, it's you can do six month year long deployments, but you're coming back off of that high tempo and you're either resting, refitting, training again, and then going back out on a deployment. Uh, where in law enforcement, it's just that daily grind over and over again for a longer period of time. And so, Although there are uh, a lot of similarities, there are some differences. Yeah. So talk a little bit about the common theme. So in, in preparation for this, you, you talked about the five uh, most common themes between military and law enforcement. Can you, you tell us about those? Well, I can tell you um, there's some things that law enforcement does better than the military. For me, I'm really impressed on how most law enforcements use their air assets, how they control the situation down on the ground with those experienced deputies or officers that are up on the ground. They're able to set up a containment. They're able to lock things down. Uh, they're able to find the suspect quickly, articulate where that suspect is and what he's doing. I'm really impressed by uh, any of the air assets that law enforcement uses. Some of their tactics are actually better too. Um, they take a lot longer to uh, clear uh, a home or, or a building than the military guys do. It, it, there's a different uh, enemy that you're dealing with, with uh, in the military. You're dealing with a lot more three-dimensional threats, but uh, there's a systematic approach that a lot of uh, law enforcement agencies that are using now that is considered safer tactics than what the military is doing. They do better call outs. Uh, they deal better with mentally ill and they retain their experience a whole lot better. You've got some seasoned law enforcement officers who may be working that neighborhood for much longer times, you know, decades even, where in the military, you're just moving a lot. You may deploy to an area for six months or to a year, and then you leave, then you get sent to another area. Or you're in a certain job for three or four years, and then you rotate out. 
So you lose some of that experience when you do that, where in policing, we're able to maintain that. That does come at a cost, but um, there's a lot of things that policing does better than the military. Yeah, so that yeah, that that sort of dovetails into what I alluded to when we were contacted um at our agency by uh the local uh, military branch who asked if they could send um uh some army officers with our footbeat officers into some of our notorious areas of town to see how they um interacted with people. And I'm wondering if you had any experience like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when we were beginning the invasion into Iraq, we looked at it as an urban fight. Well, one of the uh, one of the thoughts behind that was, well, we need to gain experience between uh, what we're what we're able to do in an urban environment and how we're able to deal with a population. Where are the best people that that we can deal with? Uh, who can who can give us a perspective of that? And that's local law enforcement guys. So what General Mattis really started at the, in the Marine Corps was this program called Combat Hunter. And Combat Hunter was began with uh, with a guy named Greg Williams, who was a uh, police officer. And what he taught was really the heuristics part of policing, how to look at someone and determine out of no matter what background that they came from, no matter what culture that they came from, you know, a bad guy in Memphis, Tennessee is the same type of bad guy that's in Detroit. It's the same type of bad guy that's in Los Angeles. Uh, that's the same type of bad guy that's in Baghdad. So how do we do that? Well, there's a reason why uh, those guys may uh, wear a different pair of shoes than the other guys do. Well, what what separates them from the rest of the crowd? There's a reason why Everyone else is walking up when you're observing that group and walk up to that guy and they shake his hand. He's not walking around shaking everybody else's hand. They're walking up to pay respect to him. Well, why is that? And the military really didn't understand that until this combat hunter program really taught uh, the Marines how to do that. And we actually started embedding a lot of uh, seasoned law enforcement officers, detectives in with our Marine units. And there's actually a, a a great story about a Marine patrol in Al-Qaim, Iraq, driving down the road, they're in Humvees, and all of a sudden, the law enforcement officer that's attached to the Marines says, stop. Okay, look to the east. There's a group of five military-age males. They're standing on a corner. Why would five military-age males be standing on this corner? Why are those guys, why are two of those guys wearing a jumpsuit and no one else in this group is. Hmm. Well, why, why are they walking up to this guy? Okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to walk up. One guy's going to walk off. One guy's going to run. One guy's going to stay to distract us. I want the guy that's slowly walking off. So they contact this group. Absolutely uh, plays out like he predicted. And they contact the guy who's starting to walk off. Well, he ends up being the leader of the group and they're able to exploit that. But without that street level experience, these young Marines who may have been, you know, 20 to 25 years old really wouldn't have had that without that law enforcement experience of working gangs, narcotics, uh, the street level crime that they see every day. 
So that program became very successful in a counterinsurgency operation that that lasted for, uh, I mean, some of it's still going on in Afghanistan. Hmm. Interesting. Well, good good strategies, good tactics. What about okay? So you've you've covered leadership. You've talked about the le- utilization of resources and dealing with individuals and strategies. What about physical skills and defensive training? So uh, every cop knows what the police academy requirements are uh, in defensive tactics and skills. Um, military or law enforcement? Which which one was better, or what which could one learn from the other? Well, I think I've been fortunate to go through uh, the Marine Corps' martial arts program as well as the Army's combatives program, and I've been through a uh, our local sheriff's department's program. I think both of them are great programs. I think any any time that you can get uh, physical training and you learn how to uh, use the 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 various uh, techniques from low intensity to high intensity, the more skills that you have and the more that you can use it, uh, the better. It is different when you're dealing with um, a military style program because you're not carrying the same gear. Uh, you're carrying a weapon, but not every patrol officer is carrying a grenade on. So that's a little bit different uh, going hand to hand with someone. As far as we know. <laughs> yeah, as far as, Yeah. Uh, so that's that's been different. Um, I've been in physical confrontations uh, both, and there was something in the back of my head when I was in a, a physical confrontation in Iraq, uh, away from other Marines, and I had grenades on me, and and I'm in a hand-to-hand combat with a guy. Uh, different than when you have a physical confrontation with someone on the street. Mm-hmm. Both very dangerous. Both can in someone's life. Um, not a lot of the physical confrontations go to court in the military like they do in law enforcement, but uh, they're vital. And that's why it's so important to train and train and train. Mm-hmm. And and that's why the military, looking at the philosophy, does have a different philosophy to me. And again, my experiences in the military, I was lucky enough to be a part of some amazing units with outstanding leaders. And I've had some uh, great opportunities in the sheriff's department as well, but the military really has a different philosophy on training. The military takes ownership from the top. That philosophy from the top is that it is my responsibility to train my men or women the best that I can. I have to give them the uh the tools, the scenarios, I have to uh, really set up and give them the most opportunities to train that I can and supervise it and be a part of it. Uh, I, I think sometimes in law enforcement, we push down individual training on on some of the individual deputies say, well, you got to go out and get training on your own. Uh, mm. The military really has a different philosophy on that. They start out with doctrine. They find out what operations that they need to do. They have commands that are set up to teach it. They have units that establish SOPs and they have the commanders that are physically a part of that training and evaluating that training constantly. 
Um, yeah, well, that's that's good to live by, and, and I emphasize the, to live by the SOPs. We we train and train with um, with firearms in law enforcement, and it's great because in in those critical situations, you fall back on the SOPs and what you're trained to do. I don't know that we do that so much in the physical uh, defensive tactics training. Well, I think what's driven home in the military is it's really got to be purpose driven. You know, what is the purpose of this training? Mm. Every time we went out, the the purpose was clearly articulated and it's the standards were clear and we understood that we would be held to that standard. And if we weren't held to that standard, there was also um, a remediation period of that to make sure that before we left, that we were remediated and before we went out on the street, that every person was trained to that standard. And yep. if you weren't, you were out of the unit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes we see that when uh, somebody comes back from a refresher and they fail a course, uh, they fail EVOC or defensive driving. They're probably going to sit or walk a footbeat until they can get back in the car and pass the course. Yeah. Same with you know, Jim, one, one of the things was in the military that I thought that they did very well was before someone was sent to a course. Of course, we had unit training that we went to, but we also had individual courses. But before someone was sent to a course, uh, time was made beforehand to prep that person as much as they could. They would bring in other people who had been to the course. They would give them time to study for that course, to train for it. And pressure was put on that person not to just graduate the course or attend the course, but to dominate the course. Mm. You are expected to represent your unit and you're expected to not just graduate the course, but be the top man in the course. And then uh, once you came, once you graduated the course, you did well. If you while you were at the course, your command came to the course. They talked to your instructors. They checked in on you. If you showed up in the wrong uniform, they knew about it. If you weren't participating, uh, your chain of command was heavily involved in you participating in, in whatever course that you were going to. And then when you came back, you were expected now as the fresh, newly trained guy to now train everyone else. So um, first week back, it's, hey, guess what? You're training on uh, EVOC training. didn't matter what it was. It yeah. could be you just graduated from this course. What did you learn and teach us? Yep. Train the trainer. Well, I think that's awesome. And I, I've been trying to get as a guest on the show, uh, Renner Gracie, one of the Gracie Jiu Jitsu um, uh, brothers. And uh, he's put out a couple of videos that showed um, the tactics of um, you know, laying your body or putting your body across someone to control them on the ground, that, um, that those are actually violations of some of the new NYPD um, edicts on physical force. So now, you know, we're in this, the middle of this defund and the criticism of police and uh, they're barring quote chokeholds, which we know to be probably a carotid hold, but other holds or, or putting uh, pressure on bodies on the ground. And so what's left, um, a lot of, uh, I mean, you're boxed into a corner and and when we're seeing at, at uh, demonstrations, when they're saying uh, you can't use tear gas, you can't use extended range impact weapons, and it's 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 more likely to, to get cops and demonstrators hurt. 
by by limiting them so much. So what's what's the next step in in use of force? What would you what would you see? Uh, there's been no new technology innovations. Um, we haven't seen any new development since the pepper spray. Um, what's what's next for policing? Do you think? Well, to me, Jim, what what we're as law enforcement not doing a good job of is the information operations campaign. We're trying to fight a PR campaign, but it's more than that. If this is looked at by the military, they'd say, well, this is an insurgency. Okay. If this is an insurgency that's coming uh, within our own borders, what do we have? The population is our security. There's far more people that support the police than do not. The people that don't are a lot more vocal right now, and they are causing problems. But we have to we have to secure our own population. We have to take care of we have to take care of the um, the messaging to the people that do support us. We have to get out that you know with liberty comes responsibility. Yes. You have certain rights, absolutely. Well, you have certain responsibilities too. And although these are your rights, well, your responsibility when a police officer shows up is to remain in the car. You know, you can be detained in a uh, in a vehicle stop, so everyone in the car can be detained. And mm -hmm. I I don't think that we're getting the the legal responsibilities of citizens out there enough. I don't think that um, we're we're explaining our position of walking up on a on a vehicle stop and explaining that listen, this is inherently dangerous for us and for you. It's on the side of a road. You know, there's cars passing by. Uh, we're people too. We're here just to do a job. Uh, we have things called reasonable suspicion and probable cause and reasonable suspicion to pull you over. We, you know, you had a broken tail light, so we could warn you. We could, we could, uh, we could tell you how to fix it. We're here for you. You know, this is for the greater good of the people. But when you start to do these other things that causes other problems. And uh, I don't think we're getting a, our message out there enough. So the first thing that I think we've got to do before we even talk about the physical aspects is, are we getting our message out there to the people to prevent mm. a physical confrontation? Mm. Then right. once we get to the physical confrontation, uh, I, I think working more uh, team tactics and working more and then getting down to physical uh, individual tactics from there. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think you're totally right about, you know, the hearts and minds and, and getting everybody on the same page. And, uh, it, it's it's so funny that you talk about messaging. Uh, two polls that I read about today, one in the New York Times, uh, which I think people could agree is is probably a liberal newspaper, and another website called uh, JustTheNews.com, which I, by the sounds of it sounds like um, to be on the conservative side, but they both agree that the majority of Americans that were polled believe in policing. They do not believe in defunding. They don't believe in decreasing the numbers of police. And I think I think what you're saying is is actuality out there, but we don't have enough people saying it. I mean, we've had some great chiefs stand up and say, 
hey, I'm not getting fired and I'm not quitting. This job's too important and we're here for the people. So I think what you're saying has has a lot of uh, truth and, and reality to it. But I think still um, when we get into those confrontations on the streets that are just uh, unavoidable, again, we're left with uh, limited tactics and limited weapons. And so I'm going to I'm going to wrap us up here. You've been awesome uh, talking about the similarities between law enforcement and military. And um, thank you to all the veterans out there that are in law enforcement and to any veterans out there listening, thinking of getting into law enforcement. There are some great resources out there. Uh, Discoverpolicing.com has a a great website. Uh, IACP and PERF both uh, acknowledge and address um, the the benefits of having veterans in in law enforcement. But I'm going to ask you this final question that we hear a lot about these days about the role of police as either being a warrior or a guardian. And uh, I'm going to ask you uh, open-ended. What what are your thoughts on that? Well, Jim, I I mean that's a tough question. There's a lot that goes into that. Um, I, I'd first say about the training piece. Any law enforcement agency that's close to a military base, if you connected with those guys, I guarantee you that you could share training, share ideas. I know those guys want it. I know you can uh, cross train. You can talk about recruiting. You can talk about uh, policing in the local area. Uh, they can share techniques with you, and it's free. It's mm. just time. Um, I've done that here locally numerous times, and uh, both sides have been benefited from that. So I, I would encourage anyone out there that's close to a military base to reach out to those guys because uh, it, you'll get a lot out of it. Yeah. Uh, whether or not we're a warrior or a protector, um, I mean, I look at everyone joins the military for their own individual reasons. Everyone joins law enforcement for the mil- for their own individual reasons, whether it's a career, uh, maybe it's the benefits and maybe it's a well-paying job. Uh, I can just speak for myself. I feel blessed that I'm physically able to do it, that financially that um, I can, I can, find a job that pays me well enough to take care of my family. And I feel obligated to take the experiences that I've had and use those for my own community. I've done that overseas. I've done it for other cultures and other nations, but what greater good can there be, but you're doing it for your local community where you're affecting your family, your friends, your, your uh, children. So, I feel uh, for me, I'm out there protecting my family, my friends and my community. Uh, If that's going up against some tough bad guys, then um, I'm ready for the challenge. All right. Well, well said. And I think I think that's that's the issue, right, that we we can be a guardian, but uh, you can also make that transition to warrior. And uh, I think you've worn both hats in, in both careers. I applaud you for, for both and thank you for your time. It's uh, great to hear about your, your stories and your experience. And we've been talking with uh, Greg Johnson, uh, warrior and guardian. And, and thanks again for your service, uh, Greg. 
Thank you, Jim. Thanks for all you've done for getting your message out and the Police One podcast. Thank you. And to our listeners, thanks so much for listening. Uh, Thanks for hanging in there with us. We've been up and down with uh, back and forth with enforcement plans and mental health issues and vocations and um, talking about some critical uh, subjects um, like suicide and uh, well-being. So um, we've got some great guests lined up for you. But let us hear from you. Are you ex-military? How was your transition into policing? Um, do you recommend it still? I know, you know, we had some rocky periods where people were saying they were not recommending uh, the career in law enforcement anymore. But I, I think it's still a noble profession. I think we're seeing a little bit of a transition back to the pendulum swinging the other way. Uh, write us at policing matters at police one.com that's policing matters at police one.com we would love to hear from you thanks for listening uh be safe take good care